Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about how we build trust and rapport with our patients and clientele. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Ronald Show. We're up at Champion PT and Performance in Boston, Massachusetts. Lenny Macrina, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto, Dave Tilly. I don't think we've ever sat this way before. This is my, this yeah, is my casual... Here. My casual setup. I like, you have an ottoman? Is that <laughs> yeah. an ottoman? It's ottoman. Ottoman. It's a fresh cup of tea. We have, we have a pretty good awesome bus. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're back for another great episode of the podcast here. A uh, bunch of great questions as usual. A um, little different with this episode. We kind of, there's kind of two questions. They weren't really the same question in any way, but you know, I'll let the students kind of read. They weren't, they weren't really the, the, the same question anyway, but I thought our answers would be really similar that we kind of combined it into one episode. So, but before we get into that, Lenny, would you like to introduce the students? I forgot about we have students. Lenny, Lenny's the director of clinical exposure. Yeah, we expose students to clinics. <laughs> uh, first student, a uh, veteran student who's been here, I think, for three years now. He's got yeah. three more years to go, it feels like, is uh, Nick Acapello Giacopello from Toro University College in Long Island, New York Sound. Our other student is Jason Swaddles Waddles. Uh, from University of Kentucky. Swaddles, um, waddles. I like that one. It's a good it sounds like, it sounds like he nestles like ducks in his like arms. Uh-huh. We nestle him too. Um, so those are our guys that will be reading the questions today. Welcome, boys. Nick, you got a tan going. What's going on? He's got a burn going. We don't want to date the podcast. Oh, we don't want to date the podcast. Yeah, we don't want to date the podcast. October in Boston. It might be summertime on this episode. Uh, before we get deep into the questions, Mike Scaduto, do we have any uh, randomness, uh, random facts from Mike Scaduto? Yeah, do we, we do the strawberry one? Oh, yeah. Hey. Whatever you want. It's, it's your job to organize this stuff. The, the, strawberry, the average strawberry has 200 seeds. 200. 200 seeds. seeds What's the, the standard strawberry. deviation? Uh, I believe it's plus minus like 28. Do they grow in your stomach when you eat them? They don't. That's watermelon. <laughs> Wait, does a watermelon grow in your stomach? Absolutely. No, I don't yeah, think. Come on, rugrats. <laughs> come on. Awesome. All right, who's got the questions? You guys want to go one and one, even though we're doing them together? Yeah, we'll do that. I'll, I'll go with the first one here. Let's do it, Nick. All right, John from Philadelphia. Interested if you guys still use goniometers? I used to spend a ton of time during evals measuring everything, but find myself focusing on building trust and report versus taking measurements. I, I like that question too, which is good, and we'll 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 keep going with swaddles. But um, uh, I like that question. It was good. But the main question was, do we use goniometers, right? And I thought that was kind of interesting because the whole second half of your question was phenomenal about building rapport and trust kind of like with your with your patients. So um, I that, thought that was good. So, um, yeah, I think we can do better than just say, do yeah, we use goniometers? Because we already lost on what a goniometer was. <laughs> That's untied. Uh, swaddles, what do we got? So from Samuel Tarley from a giant chasm of PT school debt. Wow. Says, How do you approach younger athletes and parents regarding buy-in with the rehab process following a strict protocol timeline when all they want to do is get back to sports as soon as the pain subsides? 
I like that. So we, we kind of have like a few questions here, all wrapped into one. Let's knock out the first one. Do we use goniometers? Yes. Yes. And you want to go around the room? Yes. Did. Yes. Mike. Yes. Yes. Nope. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yes, we definitely, we, we definitely use goniometers, but we can get into that. But I, I kind of, I liked how you phrased that, like where you said, I, I've started to get less... I, I don't know, nitpicky, I guess, with like the minutia of specific like measurements and more spending time to develop your relationship with, with the person in front of you. And I, I actually liked how you really said that. And then, the, you know, the whole second part was it essentially is when you're working with athletes, how do you get, how, how do you build this rapport to kind of, you know, get them to follow your plan? So um, who wants to start? I mean, obviously building rapport is pretty big. Like, I think we all have like a little bit of a different background. Like, you know, Dave, maybe like, you know, you can start. Obviously, you have very like niche like athletes that I think even like with us in baseball and you in gymnastics and Dan with CrossFit too a little bit, you know, like where I, you're such a specialty kind of person that I think, you know, that helps you build a little bit. But I kind of like to hear you about that because you actually have a little bit of, you know, that special population as well as that young athlete and how do you get them to buy in. So you want to start? Yeah. Well, I will say that a lot of the stuff that I do is credit towards learning from you and uh, Lenny about how you kind of work with the language I think is very, very important. I think that, um, but I think on the, the more of the biggest layer is just being, just listening and understanding and like being able to like hear their story before you start throwing a ton of stuff at them about what's wrong with them or what you want to say or like what you think is important to say. So that's that's not about athletes, it's about everybody in general. Is unfortunately, I used to make the mistake of like just let like talking way more than they did. So that's number one. But two is I think it's really important that you um, you share common language that tells that you understand the sport, right? So like if you talk about things that they would only hear on like a baseball field or would only hear in a gym, it starts to ring bells in their head like, oh, this guy, this girl knows what I'm talking about. So that's important. I think that when you start to use language they understand, like if I listen to a, I had this before, if I listen in on a baseball conversation with you and like one of the big league guys, no clue what you're talking about. Right. Not even like, not even a little bit. But vice versa, if you guys listen to maybe me having a higher level talk with a, one of the national team people or whatever, it's like complete jargon, right? So I think right. that's, that's really good is if you understand the sport and you know what they're doing, when you say front rack or when you say curveball or when you say Yurchenko, it's like, oh, I get it. So that's number one. And the number two is making sure that their goals are specific to the things they care about. So if you say, like back to the goniometers, right? If you're like, we need five degrees more of ER, and they're like, whatever. And you're like, okay, well, I want you to be able to throw harder, get back on the field, play a longer, you know, leap longer season. You know, they, they know that you're listening to their story and that you care about what they care about. Yeah, I like I, I like that. I mean, go back to your first point too. Is but like you know, it's establishing like a little confidence that you know what you're talking about that's you know specific to that. That can go either way, yeah. right? And I, I actually just put this on Instagram, I think, or Twitter. I don't know where I put. It. I think it was Instagram. Um, I, I literally put there was like a research report, and in the abstract, they said they had the baseball pitchers throw three different pitch types: fastballs, curveballs, and slow balls. Right, and I was just like, if you, if you like, literally, like, if I wrote the abstract, like, like, even if Dave knows that, so like, like, if 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 you were to say slow ball versus change up, right, to that person in front of you, I think you've immediately lost a little bit of that connection. So you know, it's about, I think it's about like, like talking the talk and knowing that a little bit, and I actually, you know, intentionally kind of like work that into some of my discussions. Right where you know you ask them like, hey, all right, what 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 kind of like with baseball, what kind of pitches do you throw, you know, and you talk a little bit like there, and then they, they kind of think, all right, this guy understands me, right, and I think that's that's pretty helpful. So good. Who, who else got some info on that? How do you guys build rapport with your clients? Yeah, 
Well, I guess uh, I know we kind of poo-poo on this sometimes, but I actually like kind of a motivational interviewing approach, you know, and basically all the stuff that you guys are saying is, is a big part of that. I think the big thing that they talk about with motivational interviewing, one of the big ones is reflections and summaries. So basically after you've asked a couple open-ended questions and they're giving you all this great information, you just repeat it back. So that person ends up feeling really hurt, right? I like that. So it's just like, okay, you're doing this properly. Okay, this is where the pain started, kind of progressed along that way. And if you're wrong, then they just go ahead and they correct you and you kind of get you in a good place. So I think it helps from a perspective of getting more information that's gonna help you with your clinical reasoning, but also helps that uh, the person now feels like they're being understood, you know? And how many times has somebody come to you and either complained about a uh, past place that they were at or something, and they said they didn't listen to me? You know, they said they they weren't they weren't listening to me, or they just wanted to, you know, you know they they do this type of treatment. I I don't know, make it up, whatever. They do dry needling, so everybody gets dry needling, right? Instead of listening to me and to what I. I wanted to get out of it. I think that's a big part so of it. Something I've learned from Dan, which I think he means kudos for, is he always says, like, what are your thoughts on that? So he'll say a whole bunch of stuff that he thinks is, like, good or does, and then, like, he'll be like, what do you think about that? And the person's, like, almost taken it back sometimes, like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, you're the therapist. I think that's, like, something good to do as well. How does that make you feel? I feel great. Right. <laughs> right. I think a really good way to build rapport is to develop a coherent, like, plan of care and express that to the patient. Sometimes, especially in the, like, maybe a little bit more in the athletic population where they have this end goal of getting back into sports. If you can, you know, listen to what they tell you and then deliver a clear plan of care at the end of it, I think that's, it makes it easier for them to buy in. They're like, okay, this person at least has a direction that we want to go. Here are some specific things we need to meet before we get there. I think that helps buy in, helps them believe in you a little bit more, and um, it helps you kind of like let, let them know that you have their best interest in mind. Instead of just like, okay, we're going to wing this. Yeah. It's like, here we go. These are the steps we need to meet. And I, I would again say that I think we see a lot of people do a bad job at that or, or people come to us. As, I think part of our plan with us, especially since, you know, we do have specific areas of expertise is that like, we don't just help you with your current issue. We, we talk about the overall structure of like your life. Like, so like, okay, what are the next six months, 12 months? What's your end game? Like, oh, you're a sophomore in high school. You want to go play baseball in college, for example, like those types of things. And we talk about the rim of of what we do now as it fits into that where man the medical model is just do you know rest for four weeks and then go well I mean what if there's no reason to go at four weeks like because it doesn't fit your calendar yeah. um, so it's you know it's it's listening to that so that was a good one Mike I like it I think this kind of blends to the second piece of the question like with the, about the, the long how do you deal with people who have long prognosis or like three months in a back brace or whatever or have like an acute Tommy John is like you can't have that discussion until you've done the first step well which is you know, they know what you're talking about, they understand you have common goals, and then you can get to the conversation like, yeah, man, this stinks, but like, you know, for your goals, like if your goal is to get to college or whatever, like, you just gotta ride this out, you have to like do the right steps now because you guys say it all the time, like throwing right now for a showcase or whatever is not nearly as important as getting to college and there's a situation with one of our softball athletes now, it's like you can hit now or you can like go play for this college that you have a scholarship for, like what's more important? But if you start with that, <laughs> you're never gonna make it. I think yeah. inherently just, being like you said, we've said, alluded to a bunch of times, being niche, um, like being the expert <laughs> in your area. I think people come in more confident because I can't tell you how many times people have gone elsewhere and they haven't perceived that other therapist as knowing baseball and knowing gymnastics. I mean, just the concept of being a, a niche and being specialized in your area, I think, is huge. And then going off of what you guys have said, I think the plan is 
they, what they've given you, what you think is important for them to get back, but then also tying it into you, you, the therapist, have seen this before and you've been able to get somebody back in this time frame because of your experiences and what you've done to help them and maybe some research. You don't throw a ton at them. But I think to go off of the question of the protocol says this, yeah, the protocol says that, but we've done, I've done this in the past with my patients a ton of times and it works and I think it's going to help you to really be able to keep that knee strong or that shoulder healthy long term. So I think just tying your experiences and your expertise uh, into your niche and into that person's goals, you know? Yeah, I think the only other thing I would add is that I, I, I do a lot of education, especially in my evaluation, sometimes too much. I think you, you talked a little bit about talking too much, right? Sometimes I talk too much, but it's, it's almost like intentional because I, I feel like I almost have like a curriculum and that's like lesson one of, of, okay, you're a baseball player or whatever, you come in with shoulder pain, you know, here's what I need to teach you day one. Right, and you have to understand why you got here, so that way we can figure out how to get out of here. Right, so so it's an educational process, but again, you clearly have experience, like Lenny said. You clearly understand that strict niche, like Dave said. So you kind of put all those things together. But it's about like really like educating them as to like why they probably got here and the steps to get out of that. And it's once you do that, you've empowered them to really understand the process. And I think I end everything with like with, okay, I, you know, that was a lot of information. What do you have for questions for me? Mm-hmm. And my goal is that they look at me and say, like, no, I think you covered everything. And, then, you know, there's always a couple of, like, questions in there, but, like, the, the thought process is you cover everything because I'm not just trying to help them feel better. I'm trying to educate them so that way they can succeed going forward, right? And I think that's how we, we kind of best do it. So, you know, lots of good stuff, you know, education, listening to them, which is which is kind of huge. I, I You know, really putting this all together, together with your experience, it's all about how you deliver all this information to the person. And that's what you'll get good at with time, right? It just takes reps, it just takes some practice, and you'll learn like, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I phrased it this way and it seemed confusing next time. I'm going to change it up and say it this way. But I think that's really the key to building rapport is listening, really understanding that topic, and then just helping them take the information and learn from it. So I think that's how, you know, I would kind of say it. So, you know, and I guess briefly with the goniometer, yeah, we still take measurements. You know why? Because sometimes giving them those numbers is effective to deliver your message. And I think that's what you do. Don't just measure things or do special tests just to do them. Do them because you have a rational reason to then use that information. And a lot of times it's a, hey, wow, this is tight, so we need to work on this. Let's measure it. Oh, okay, look, you're 10 degrees tighter than the other side. And that gives you some power. That gives you a little bit confidence in the person that you know you're talking about. So don't just measure or test or examine and just to do it, do it because it fits into what you're trying to accomplish, and it's it's setting forth that treatment plan. That's that that would be how I would kind of say it. So um, awesome! Another great episode. Good questions. Uh, two questions this time. I think that really helps, especially with like some of the young clinicians and, and and coaches out there that are still trying to figure out how to best develop those relationships with people. Kind of take some of those those tidbits that we gave you and kind of start to like focus on maybe one at a time and say, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna really work on educating my people this week and, and really work towards that. And then over time, I think it's going to get better and better. Okay. All right. So head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link, and you can fill out the form to ask us more questions. And be sure to go to iTunes and Spotify, rate, review this, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. 
If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.